This is Ozarks at Large. With me on the phone from his office in Fort Smith is Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics. It's been a couple of weeks since we talked, Michael. Welcome back. Well, it's good to be back. Thanks for thanks for having me. All right. Let's start with some record-setting years, at least one for sure, one probably a, record, a record-setting year for building permits in the Fort Smith metro. Yeah, again, and we talked about this coming out of a pandemic, who would think, but uh, through the end of November, um, the building permit values in Fort Smith, uh, Greenwood, and Van Buren, the three cities we look at, total 301 million, just a little over 301 million. That's up almost 22% compared to the same period last year. And it also beats the record. Uh, there was a record set last year during a pandemic year of 264.7 million, almost 265 million. So we've already blown past that with another month to go. So, um, uh, you know, it's just, again, we've talked about it, the function of demand, a function of low interest rates, and I think there was some uh, kind of a little bit of slowdown there in March of 2020 for a few months. People just trying to figure out what was going to happen, and some of that demand is being is coming back into the system. Uh, in Fort Smith, through November, the city's um, building permit values are 257 million. That's up almost 18 percent uh, compared to the previous year. Uh, in Van Buren, their permit values are up almost 34, or, or their permit values year to date are 34. Uh, million, almost 34 million. That's up 67% compared to the same period in 2020. Uh, and in Greenwood, their permit value is almost 10 million through November, and that's up 15%. So healthy increases um, in all of the cities. The only caveat, and it's not a major caveat, Kyle, I'd put on this, is some of these values could be driven higher because of uh, construction costs or um, some construction costs, not all, but, um, you know, we've been told anecdotally concrete, lumber, obviously, um, uh, some metals, steel, um, the value of those are higher. So some of this increase could be reflected uh, in that, you know, where maybe last year that $200,000 project, now it's 225000 for the same project because of the increased cost. And I'm just using numbers. So some of that increase could be attributed to that. But when you have, I think, over a 22% increase or a close to 22% increase through November with the month left, I, I think that clearly shows significantly more activity and not just a function of higher costs. You know, and what surprises me is because there have been supply chain challenges. I know people getting their houses painted. Sometimes there's been delay because paint is one of those products that has been stalled right. for a bit. But even with supply chain challenges, it's a record year. Yep, it's a record year. And and, um, and keep in mind, though, the, the one thing that I always have to keep in mind, and maybe I don't stress this enough, is that, you know, these are projects that are permitted in a certain month. They're not necessarily completed in that month. So to your point, it could be that these projects, I may permit it in October, and typically I might finish it if it's a commercial project, you know, nine months later. But because of the supply chain challenge, that nine-month project could be an 11-month or 12-month project. We're seeing that, in fact, with the Peak Center that's being built, the Fort Smith School District building that in Fort Smith, because they had some folks who probably shouldn't have been managing that construction process early on, didn't take good advice and do take more action to fix the roof. They're having to work on the, fixing the roof now, which has delayed the project because they can't get the materials in. If they had ordered those, when the problem was first raised, they'd have the materials in. But So that's an example of what you're talking about, about 
supply chain. And yeah, it, it can delay um, projects, both residential and commercial. All right. So that record's already set. Looks like we're going to have a record year for hospitality tax revenue. This really kind of surprises me because we didn't have vaccines at the beginning of this year. No, it's, it, uh, it is surprising. I think kind of the thing I'm most surprised about Van Buren, um, the Van Buren hospitality tax, they have a 1% for lodging and a 1% per, for prepared food tax. So they have not, I mean, obviously diversified revenue stream because Fort Smith only has their hospitality tax revenue comes only from a 3% hotel tax. The thing with Van Buren, you, I always had a feeling that their tax revenue was not going to just collapse because you still have people eating locally. You don't where you don't have to depend on tourism for that as much. Whereas if you're just depending on a hotel tax, it's a far fewer number of folks that live there are going to be using your hotels than will be eating in your restaurants, even if it's takeout or, or curbside for a restaurant. So and indeed, Van Buren didn't collapse as much in 2019 in 2020. But so far through the first um, nine months of this year, Van Buren tax revenue is a uh, 555,000, and that's um, well ahead of what was 462,000 roughly during the same period of last year. Uh, in Fort Smith, their revenue is through September is 723,000. That's well above the 485,000 uh, for the same period of last year, and it's even above the 695,000 that they finished out uh, in 2019. So they've already beat the record year of 2019, and they're on pace to hit potentially 950,000 by the end of the year. So um, what we're seeing in, in um, Merrill Purvis, who's the director of Van Buren Advertising Promotion Commission, she really kind of pegged it. She just she said that what this region is seeing is that there are many more travelers that are driving than flying than have in the past. Now we've seen employment numbers increase around the country. Uh, both at XNA and Fort Smith, but still, um, I just took a driving trip over Thanksgiving. I can tell you that the interstates were packed. So I think the Fort Smith region, uh, Fort Smith and Van Buren are benefiting now from the fact that more people are driving to their destinations than flying. Finally, I want to make sure people know about this series of stories you're doing that's kind of in the in the aftermath of the announcement this past June about 32 in excess of $32 million anonymous donation to the Arkansas Colleges of Health Education, we talked at the time the potential impact for that. You've got a series of stories that goes deeper into that, including one that's at talkbusiness.net right now. Yes, it's uh, and that's an amazing story. You know, every once in a while, we journalists, we get something that it's really fun. I mean, it's a fun job anyway, I think, but sometimes we get something that's really fun in a challenging way because there are so many elements to it. And when back in June, when the Arkansas College of Health Education announced this $32.3 million donation, I knew right away that there was so much packed into what they wanted to do with that money that we couldn't just cover it in one story. So we have a series of stories. And if you link on the one that's up on the website now, you can link to the others. But essentially, and I'm, I'm, this is probably a fool's errand to try to boil what they're trying to do down into a few sentences, but it's really broadly based health and wellness across almost every socioeconomic sector in the region. And ideally, once they do some of that regional stuff, then they'll have models that can play out anywhere in the country, if not world. 
Um, the interesting story that we have now, I think, is um, Tina Dale, a reporter, talked to Dr. Lisbon McLean. She's chief wellness officer at ACHE. And she talked about what they're doing, um, some of the programs they're doing that not only address food insecurity um, in the region, and also, I didn't know this in 2019, Fort Smith was identified as a food desert, which means lower income residents, they have to travel more than a mile to access healthy food options. So there's that issue to address. But overall, the address, and this is just one part of the story, but it's, I think, the more interesting part. If you don't have that access and you don't have education behind food, then you end up having non-healthy eating habits, which leads obviously later to other problems that cost society, diabetes, uh, more uh, um, obesity, on and on, health, uh, heart or excuse me, high blood pressure. So if you can address those early on and, and provide food education and help people establish healthy eating habits and healthy eating routines, you can significantly, especially if you catch people at a younger age, significantly change their outcomes and the uh, health outcomes for a region. So that's what they're doing. There's a lot more detail in the story. And so I would encourage folks that are interested in that uh, to read that. And we hope to have more reporting on this uh, in the next several months. You know, I think you and I have talked about this before, but the first time I ever talked to Kyle Parker years ago when the ACHE was just kind of getting going, and and, and I, I was impressed with him, and he had these sort of grand ideas of how this could make a difference in Arkansas and the region. And by gosh, Michael, a lot of it is apparently uh, on track. Well, not only is it on track, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to be part of the Kyle Parker fan club here, but um, <laughs> not not only is it on track, but it's gone beyond what he even eventually hinted at. I've told folks before that I initially said that Kyle Parker has a thirty thousand foot view of of some health things for the region, and I think I was wrong. I think it's more of a ninety thousand yeah. foot view of of what needs to happen. And he, what's interesting about him is he he will do these things, get something like this started. Uh, and then he just hands it over. He doesn't have to just control ownership. He hands it off to smart people he's hired, and then he goes on to the next big project. So I, I will be surprised if this $32 million donation is the is the last big thing out of, out of Kyle Parker and uh, Colleges of Health Education. Kyle Parker, of course, the president and CEO of the ACHE. Michael yep. Tilley yep. is with Talk Business and Politics, joins us most Fridays. Michael, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome, sir. Always a pleasure.